welcome back to another week of the Rev MD podcast. This week, I'm excited to talk to you. I guess I'm always excited to talk to you guys, but this week, I'm excited to talk to you guys about what is my office typically responsible for. And I think the reason why I want to chat about this is oftentimes, you know, when you're in a situation, you're a busy practice, you're looking for a new billing company, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? What am I responsible for? And what are they going to do? And sometimes these things aren't talked about up front. And so you're trying to figure those out as you go. And even if they are talked about up front, trying to help make sure there are very clear lines of responsibility. And of course, those things can always change, right? If a practice needs certain things, you know, can the billing company take that on and vice versa? If the office has the ability to do that, does the billing company need to do that? How does that change your contract? All of those fun things, which I think are really important. So if you guys don't know us, if you've just stumbled upon us, We are National Revenue Consulting. We are a full-service medical billing and coding team. I am a physician. I am a physician executive and love the you know, business side of medicine. And we've started this podcast to help physician practices really with tips and tricks when it comes to medical billing and coding. And we do obviously have a full service team who is able to help and partner with your practice should that be something that you are looking for. One of the specialties that I say we are really you know, obsessed with is making sure that offices have a really solid process, right? Because that's one of the key things when it comes to effective billing is a solid process. We're big on compliance. We're big on making sure you know when things aren't going well so that we can change that process together. So this week, we're going to talk a lot about really what are the things that happen in a billing process, who's typically responsible for that, and kind of some give and take when it comes to figuring out who should be doing that, where's that best live, and making sure that your team as well as your billing team are very aware of that, not only as you onboard, but through a transition, but constantly, right? So if a billing team is having concerns with a certain process and it's not quote unquote their job, what is their responsibility in making sure that the office is aware that they're having those issues? Because I'm a big proponent of it being a partnership, that it being something that if a billing company is noticing denials because of eligibility and the office is the one doing eligibility checks, then the office needs to know that that's a problem so that they can help retrain their front staff. So first things first, we're going to talk a little bit about the claims process, because I feel like this is that nebulous thing that happens that as a physician myself, we didn't get trained in that in both medical school and residency. So it's important to kind of look over that and then also talk a little bit about who should be doing what. So first things first, if you do have front office staff that are you know new or that may benefit from this, please feel free to share this podcast with them. Um, This can be for anybody in your office. So again, we try and help educate everyone, whether that's the physician owner or any of the front office or office managing staff. So claims process, not the sexy part, right? Claims process, a little boring, but we're going to talk about this. So you have a patient, they found your website, they found you, they're excited to come visit you. Now what? 
So they're oftentimes scheduling an appointment. So your front office staff is taking that information, or maybe you have a VA that does that. They're taking their full patient information. They're getting their insurance information up front. They're recognizing that they are in network. The patient has now scheduled an appointment. The patient hopefully is getting those patient forms and patient payment policy, which we talked about last week. They're getting all of that signed and buttoned up. Your office, you know, several days ahead of the appointment is checking eligibility, right? They're making sure that the coverage is active, that there's no issues there. And then the patient comes to the office. When the patient comes into the office, they're recognizing that they, you know, have their insurance information correct. They've got their address. Everything is buttoned up and accurate. And then they pay any copays or deductibles or coinsurance. Any of that is handled before they even see the patient. So you can tell, like, this is a lot of information, right? A lot of things have happened to get this patient to see you. Patient goes in to see the physician. They have their visit. Oftentimes, you know, if there is, maybe it's a, a annual visit or, a, or an annual visit that then also has a problem-focused exam with it. Hopefully the physician is letting them know, hey, we've identified XYZ, you know, we're evaluating and managing that. You may get an extra copay, right? That's an important thing that we see patients complain about. So again, that visit, it's happened. The physician is then typically the one who is dropping the CPTs and the ICD-10 codes Oftentimes, that's where that transition is happening over to the billing company. The billing company is then looking at those codes and what's called scrubbing the claim. So then they're identifying, do I need to put a modifier in there? Was something missed? Is there something glaring? Those claims are then going through your software to what's called the clearinghouse. The clearinghouse is the the connection to the insurance company. And that's where that double check is happening that looks at the CPT codes. It looks at the ICD-10 codes, making sure there's no quote unquote rejection reason, right? Something where there's a mismatch or an error. They're checking the subscriber or the patient's information, does the name and the date of birth match, all of those fun things, which again, hopefully would have been caught in the eligibility process. But again, it's that second double check. So again, that claim is getting through the clearinghouse. Hopefully it is a non-rejected or clean claim. It then goes to the insurance company. The insurance company hopefully pays the claim. There isn't a denial. Then anything that is the patient's responsibility flips over to patient responsibility those patient statements go out and hopefully your patients know that they need to pay that in 30 days or their credit card gets charged. So again, that's kind of that high level summary. If there are any denials, your billing team is taking care of that. They're managing any denials. They're resubmitting any appeals. They're chasing down unpaid claims. They're doing all of that on the insurance side. And on the patient side, they're continuing to send those patient statements once a month. They go out to, you know, through the clearinghouse. Hopefully no one is printing and stuffing envelopes still. If you are, please take a look at that. There are options to do that that are automated. And I know that costs money, but again, money and time to me is equivalent. Um, So it's always worth looking at that and seeing, you know, what the over and under is. So again, that's the high level view of the claims process. And I think that's important to kind of get your head wrapped around. 
Now, when we think about dividing and conquering responsibilities of this, there are two different ways that services work, right? So there are 100% done-for-you services, and then there's most billing companies have a partnership with the office where the office is doing a good, you know, portion of the patient registration and the eligibility and the prioth, which we'll talk about. And so you want to understand what you need, what is best practice, and then what your billing team is going to do. And it's really cl- important to understand that stuff up front. Now we're going to go through each of these areas within the claims process and kind of divide up who typically is doing what and how that works. So number one, right, credentialing. So credentialing obviously is a big part of getting paid by the insurance companies unless you're 100% you know, cash pay or out of network practice. But the credentialing piece, and this is one that can go either way, right? Sometimes the office is doing that. Sometimes another third party is doing the credentialing or negotiating, or sometimes the billing team does that. We have a a team of people who do credentialing for our practices. They help take care of that. We've got an amazing manager who, you know, oversees all the credentialing. She's very organized. If need be, she can help with negotiation of your contracts. She's wonderful. But that depends, you have to make that decision, right? The practice needs to decide, okay, who's going to do credentialing? The next thing, so, right, we've got patient registration and appointments. That's usually all handled by the practice. Sometimes, you know, you can get a VA or another third party to do that. You know, at least for our own company, we typically don't do a lot of that type of stuff. We can and we have in the past, but typically I really like to have certain processes, especially patient facing practices with the front office staff. And the reason for that is that's the people who are interfacing with your patients when they come to check in. That's the people who know your patients. That's the people who, you know, can call your patient and get things resolved very quickly. So I do really recommend that patient registration, getting the insurance information, doing the scheduling, checking eligibility, which we'll talk about a little bit more in detail, are all done by the front staff, the front office staff. Now, again, billing teams can do eligibility. They can do prior auths. It just becomes a timing issue when you have last-minute patient add-ons or last-minute patient situations where you need a prior auth and you need it quickly. Sometimes an outsourced billing company they can certainly do that. It just gets tricky on the communication and how you get that information to them that becomes most critical. Now, again, if you have a messaging thing like Teams, which is what our teams does, our our teams uses Microsoft Teams in order to communicate back and forth. If you have something like that where the office and the billing company company can communicate with during the day and you're working all the same hours, then you can get that operationalized. Again, it just gets tricky. So making sure you have plans around how that gets communicated, what's the timeline gets really important. So prior auths is another thing I always recommend the front office staff doing or the office itself doing. And the reason for that is, again, it comes down to that communication and the timing of things. So if you're working with an outsourced billing company and say your Pacific Standard Time and then on the East Coast, then how do you communicate that, hey, I've got a last minute patient, I need to do a real quick eligibility. Is the office going to do that? How does the billing company do that? 
how do you get quick turnaround times of things done? And so again, that's why I typically recommend because that office is the one checking in the patient, communicating with the patient right before the visit, collecting that copay and deductible, they're doing all of that. And they can do a last minute check should there be a last minute add-on or should there be a a moment where something changes and you need to get that done quickly. And that's why I really recommend those quick, need to happen immediately types of tasks get done in the office that are communicating with the patients. Again, does it always have to be that way? No. We've done eligibility and prior offs for offices. It just can get a little tricky. And so how you communicate that information gets really important. So again, it's it's not a necessarily a no, but it's how do we operationalize that so that everybody has the same re- guidelines or expectations and those are really clear up front and we have a clear pathway on how we're going to communicate and get that done. So the other thing that often gets confusing is coding. So typically for our practices, the physician is coding. The physician or the, you know, if there's an advanced practitioner who's doing visits, they're the ones dropping the codes. They're dropping the CPT, they're dropping the ICD-9, or excuse me, ICD-10 codes. And so there are circumstances where a coder may be necessary to review the codes and actually do some level of coding. And our team does do this for several practices where they're actually going into the chart, making sure they didn't forget any CPT codes, making sure they didn't forget any ICD-10 codes, and they're adding those you know, and and you need to have a certified coder if you're going to have that be part of your process. And so that also needs to be something that's understood, right? Is it 100% on the physician office to do the coding and the billers are really just scrubbing, checking for missing modifiers, or is there a level of coding that happens? And it's really important that if that's the case, what is the process around gosh, the physician dropped XYZ codes, but it doesn't look like that documentation meets necessity. How are we getting that information back to them? What does that communication channel look like? Again, most of our practices, we we have the uh, coders just scrubbing the claims. They're just checking for accuracy, but they're not reading all of the charts. Um, we do have a few practices that, again, we we do more of the majority of the coding. So again, it just depends on the service level that you need and also the complexity of things that you do. And that's where it gets really important to understand what do you need, how have you communicated that, and then what are the expectations? Because obviously, as you can imagine, the cost of something, the cost of having a biller just scrub claims is going to be very different than having a coder sit there and actually code the chart from scratch or do you know some level of coding where they're really reading the chart, making sure that no CPTs were missed. So again, that can kind of be one of those gray zones that you kind of have to have really figured out as you transition and look for a new billing team. Next, So typically it's pretty clear that the billers are going to scrub the claims, submit it, manage the insurance AR. Then where it kind of gets tricky again is patient AR. So for us, all of our clients, we send out the patient statements and typically we do that through the clearinghouse. We don't typically mail patient statements ourselves. Um, We have, but we work with those practices to try and get them onto the clearinghouse printing. Again, this is just time you know, versus money. And most softwares will do that for a pretty nominal charge. Granted, if you send out a ton of patient statements, that can get expensive. But sitting and stuffing envelopes is typically not 
worthwhile in my opinion for what anybody should be spending their time doing. So the next thing is just managing patient AR in general. And you can kind of get a theme. I feel like we've talked about patient AR the last few weeks and non-covered charges and denials and all those fun things. But patient AR sort of is in that bucket of a shared responsibility, right? So the billing company is sending out the patient statements, but what happens on the back end, the patients need to pay. And if you have a really strong patient payment policy or credit card on file, then you can set up patient payment plans and all of those things to make patient AR less painful. But as the patient AR climbs, you know, then you have to decide, okay, do we send them to collections? And, you know, for us, our, you know, company does not personally do collections. Granted, we have some good partners that we've worked with and we kind of recommend that the practice work with them. But then the billing team should be able to have a policy with the practice that they identify that says, hey, patients have gotten three statements. They're over 120 days old. We're going to send them to collections. Or in my opinion, in even better scenarios, we're charging the patient's credit card on file. Again, huge fan of that. I know I say that, I think, pretty often. But then what happens if you know, you've, you don't have a collection agency set up, then how do you manage that patient AR? And there's several options for that, right? There's the collection piece. There's the, I'm printing out what a patient owes before their visit. And I always recommend that. And then there's the piece around credit card on file, or do you get another third party or a VA to sit and call patients and remind them of their, you know, statements that are due, or there's some pretty nifty automated places that will do text messages and some softwares will actually, you know, manage that for you. If you have the phone number, they'll send a text message and do all of that. So there's lots of different options to manage the patient AR. And again, typically most billing companies will send out the patient statements, adhere to any collection policy that you have, lots of rules you can set up in uh, typical softwares. But then the further of, hey, the patients just continue to not pay, not pay, not pay, then that's kind of where that responsibility typically goes back to the office or to a third party to do the collection or to do the text messages. And again, just depends on the ability of your software to do certain things yourself versus what the practice is going to do versus what you need the third party to do. And again, there are some billing companies that will do all of that. And again, you know, for our own company, we're happy to take on as much of that as we can just depends on what the practice needs. Cause again, it just depends on what you can utilize in your software, which I really highly recommend maximizing what your software will do. So then you don't have to pay additional money to get a service done uh, elsewhere. So again, really important to understand big picture, what's your claims process, what types of services does your office truly need? What can your front office staff do? Because again, they're they're typically the ones that are patient facing. So oftentimes the ability to get you know patient payments paid up front as they're in the office, all of those things are interconnected. So regardless of what you decide you need, it's really important to sit down and understand, okay, these are the things I'm gonna ask for. So if you're thinking about making a transition to a new billing company, looking at your entire process, what do you need help with? What can you get somebody else to do for you? And really making sure that all of that stuff is clearly communicated when you're doing those negotiations, you're doing that transition and onboarding so that you can understand exactly what everybody's going to do. So as always, I hope you 
enjoyed this week's episode of the Rev MD podcast. We don't ever advertise on this podcast. So if you would do us a huge favor and share this with three friends in your network. You can share this through Apple Podcasts, leaving us a review also helps get the name out or sharing this podcast with others that you know may benefit. We like to help private practices that are out there so that they get the revenue that they deserve. And we look forward to seeing you on next week's podcast. And if you are looking for a new medical billing team, head over to nationalrevenueconsulting.com and leave us a message. Have a great rest of your weekend.